welcome back to another episode of Bopcast, where I interview outliers who are breaking the mold regardless of the status quo. What does that mean? That means I get to interview interesting people to figure out how they got where they are in life and also go off topic in these raw and uncensored conversations. Today on the show, I have a true outlier for you. His name is Jesse Fuchsia. I met Jesse on LinkedIn, we connected, and then later on, we actually got to help him launch his podcast, Wealth Science, which has been extremely successful. Thousands and thousands of listeners, completely organic. Jesse is an army captain. He's also a real estate investor. He started small time, uh, just house hacking in college with his father. Now him and the other investors he's worked with have millions and millions of dollars under management. So we talk about that. But we also dive into some stories on the worst slumlords that Jesse has seen and what these people did that almost resulted in death. So we tell that story later. It's absolutely insane. And before we dive in, if you enjoy this episode, please follow us on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That is a 100% free and extremely easy way to help our show get noticed so we can have better guests for you. So without further ado, please enjoy this very focused episode of Bobcast with Jesse Fuchsia. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bobcast. Today on the show, I have my guy, Jesse Fuchsia. Jesse, how are you, man? Sully, I'm good, brother. I'm pumped to be here, uh, you know, with this family, with this tribe, dude, on a top 10% podcast. And what you've done here with Bobcast is amazing, dude. I I love the audience, dude, and whatever I can do to kind of share some thoughts and ideas, dude, if it benefits one person out there, um, it'll be worth it, dude. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Anytime. And I could set definitely set that a little bit better uh, context and trajectory here for people. Um, and I probably would have already done it in the intro, but just to go in a little bit more detail, uh, Jesse and I had connected on LinkedIn and we just connected as just kind of, hey, just chopping it up. What are you doing? What am I doing type of thing? And then from there, we got on a call and you had aspirations to start a podcast i said let me see if i can give you some game just as a connection and and from there we said hey we kind of have this little podcast launch uh program going on uh we we have no idea if it's gonna work but do you want to be the first one to go through it and uh you obliged man and 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 we and we and we kind of brought you through our our, our, our program, so to say, that was in its infancy stages then, and it's a little bit more built out now, but you essentially took the idea of launching a podcast and just ran with it. And the outcome was you're an example and a great example and somebody that we refer all the time of like, hey, this is what you can do with our system of launching a podcast. So I just have to set the context with that. Regardless of the rest of your impressive bio, Jesse, Wealth Science podcast is imp- just it's standalone is impressive itself, brother. So what a what a what a commitment, man. And why don't we let's before we dive in, because we will go we'll go 100 directions here. But can you set a little context of who you are and what you do? So people kind of have a gist and then we're just going to go from there, man. Yeah, dude, there's there's so much to hit on there. I mean, like, just I just don't want to gloss over what you're just saying. I mean, I think, and we're going to get down this rabbit hole today, but like, I think there's just so much that resonates when I look at podcast principles and how much that aligns with just my vision and the type of entrepreneur and person I am, dude. It's it's young dudes, it's guys in their twenties who are, who are hustling and and trying to make it, dude. And that just, it lights a fire in me is really what it does, dude. And it, 
And I was, I think I told you this, dude, when I was sourcing about who was going to launch the podcast, I was talking to like five or six different groups, dude. but it was podcast principles. And like, you guys had never done one before, dude. I was that first, but it was like, it was just the, the level of hustle, dude, that like, was like, this is the right team. You know, I don't want to pay the 65 year old dude who whatever has, might have a degree in something. And he's like, dude, I want to do the dude. I want to be with the dudes who are just like me, man. So I, I just want to say that before we uh, jump into some of my bio, but uh, we'll, we'll get down this rabbit hole today. But yeah, man, for the audience who doesn't know me, uh, Jesse Fuchsia, I grew up not too far from you. You're from Jersey. I'm from New York, man. I went to school up there. I went to college up there, dude. I always had a passion of serving in the military. That was kind of like when I was growing up, dude, I always looked up to like special forces or special operations, or it was just like that goal, dude, of, you know, what are the hardest people on the planet doing right now? And how can I kind of be a part of that group? Um, so really I was like finding ways to pay for college, dude. I was like, how can I go to school for free? I don't want any student debt. Um, so I found ways that the military could pay for my schooling. And then when I graduate, I go into the military and I have no student debt. I go in as an officer too. So that's a great setup. Uh, you're not going in as like a private or something like that. Um, so basically I, I did that through the army. I did again, four years of college in New York. And then all while doing that, I'm training with the army on like a weekly basis. And I'm going to do other things during the summer. Uh, training with them as well. So I graduated college in 2017. I commissioned into the army. And then it's just like all these ideas, dude, of like, what's the hardest thing out there to do? It's like, I don't want to be, you know, just with, and there's nothing wrong with the guys that do the average jobs and stuff like that. But it's just not that it's not the fire that's in me. The fire what's in me is like, Hey, what's, what's the hardest thing out there and then go and go do it. Um, so basically I, I just started going to every school they let me to, I, I went to, uh, the U S army ranger school. Um, that was 60 days of just getting your face kicked in every day. I think I lost like 56 pounds or something over the course of two months. Uh, it's based on sleep deprivation, food deprivation, um, physical training. I mean, you're walking upwards of 20 hours a day. You're sleeping 45 minutes a night. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's getting your face kicked in. So I, I did that dude. I did uh airborne school right after. So jumping out of planes, um, first time I'd ever jumped out of a plane in my life was at airborne school. And I got to do it on my birthday too, which was like, just weird. I thought it was going to be some like weird, uh, like planets aligning thing. Like I was going to burn in and my shoe wasn't going to open on my birthday, dude. I was like fucking freaked out, but I was like, fuck it. It's my birthday, dude. And literally getting paid to jump out of a plane right now. You know, people pay like thousands of dollars to do this. So um, did that, dude. Um, and then from there, I kind of assessed. So basically, I graduated Ranger School. So I'm what the Army calls as Ranger Qualified. I, I graduated Ranger School. I'm not a U.S. Army Ranger yet. U.S. Army Rangers are specifically special operations and have their own kind of selection process. So as soon as I completed Ranger School, Airborne School, dude, I immediately... Uh, began training for that level because again it was like okay I did this this is the hardest thing I completed that what's the next hardest thing to do you know it's now time to get up to this level so immediately started training for that dude I assessed um, through what's called the Ranger Assessment Selection Process or RASP and I uh, gained entrance and was selected to be uh, a U.S. Army Ranger in the 75th Ranger Regiment dude and getting the opportunity you know again at like whatever I was, 23 years old, dude, running around 
the world doing everything that those dudes get to do. Some of the just toughest fucking baddest people I've ever met. And to put this in like reality, dude, like I only deployed once with them, but there are guys in that organization that have deployed every year since like 2003, like deployed the entire G1. Like I'm talking like 17 combat deployments, like to put this, like to put that dude next to me, like I have so much respect just for like the people listening. Like I have one deployment. There are people way fucking harder than me out there who are absolute giants. Um, but phenomenal opportunity, dude. I mean, learning alongside those guys, I was so humble in that organization because there were so many elite, amazing people. Dude. It was just, again, it was an incredible, incredible opportunity. I deployed in, uh, the spring of 2020 to the middle East. And I actually, um, I have shared this a couple of times on a podcast, but I carried a piece of steel rebar from the world trade center on me. Just like being, again, you're from Milford, New Jersey, dude, I'm from New York. Like, 9-11 was a huge part of my life and, you know, a huge why on why I joined, dude. And, uh, but yeah, I carried a piece of steel rebar from the World Trade Center and, and carried that on my kid. And that was just a, another special why of like, you know, what we're doing over here and why we're here, dude. And to do that with, you know, an organization like that, it was just amazing, dude. Um, but that's kind of like the extent of my military career and what I've done uh, in that aspect. And then my entrepreneur. Career, I might dude. have to. I was gonna say I dude. might have to cut you off before we go into this real dude, estate yeah, real quick, please, just so I dude. can hang out in that. Let me hang out dude. in that area in this army area for for a few minutes. Yeah, um, dude, before we dive in there, there's too much going on. But Jesse, something that I knew stood out to me about you is purpose. You seem to have this why and this purpose that that is very ingrained in you like it's just it's part of you and i think that for for people kind of searching for that is that something that just came about or was it the and i know this is a hard maybe hard question to answer but what what are your before we you know dive into the rest of your bio i just want to do a little pause and bookmark on that when it comes to purpose like what do you where did this come from for you and how did you build it did it just appear was it a moment like and i know maybe your purpose isn't one sentence or one statement but 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 how how do you think about the purpose and the why when it comes to life and and then how that came about for you yeah dude that is that's a really good question i mean complex question i talk about this a lot in in my entrepreneur side as well that that the why or the purpose has to be bigger than yourself or it has to be bigger. I say it all the time in real estate, it has to be bigger than the bottom line. Like we can't just be out here to make money. We have to be out here to help change people's lives or improve living conditions or, you know, fill in the blank, dude. But yeah, dude, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I just grew up, man. And it was always like, what's the hardest fucking thing to do right now? Well, I can go, uh, you know, in high school, I was a really good wrestler. Like wrestling's like a shitty sport, dude. It sucks. You're again, you're cutting weight. You're doing, you know, hard, difficult shit like that. And it was like, well, wrestling's like the hardest thing to do right now. You know, literally in, you know, high school, you're committing class A felony. You're literally just beating the shit out of people with a referee there. Um, you know, it's like, that was the hardest thing. And then it was like the military was the hardest thing. And then within the military, there was like seven different levels of like hard shit you can do. And it was just like, just never being satisfied, dude. It was always like, even today, I'm like, what's the, what's the next hardest thing I can do in my life, dude? And it's just like, I'm a huge David Goggins fan, by the way, dude. I don't know if you follow him or maybe some of your audience. Does, oh, dude, 100%. But... I'm a massive fan. Yeah. 
Dude, I, I love, I've read Can't Hurt Stay Me like hard, three or <laughs> Dude, I've read Can't Hurt Me like three or four times, dude. And he's a Navy SEAL. I'm a Ranger, dude. Like we're, you know, we're, we're opposite ends and we have whatever. There's, there's a rift between different soft guys within that community. But I mean, nonetheless, I mean, his mentality, dude, I love it. Just fucking hard as nails. And I just love that mentality, dude, of waking up every day and getting out of your comfort zone. And it, it's so true, dude. Let me jump in there. I guess what I'm really trying to understand too, Jesse, is and this is not like, you know, I, I want I'm learning I've learned a lot from you as well. And I want people to be able to 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 learn from you and kind of hone in on that. Like I don't why I, I'm I'm always trying to wonder why I think we've almost been kind of ingrained to take the easiest route. And because it's just, oh, like here's this path that's laid out for you here it is, you know, like your dad did this. Well, why don't you do that? And like, or you went to college for this, then you get a job for this. And I think it's this, and I know I'm maybe getting a little meta here, but it really does like people like you don't a lot of, there's not a lot of people like you who are like, let me do the hardest thing that I can find, you know? And I think that that kind of comes, I, I, for me, I think that even we're relating back to the purpose question. I think this is just kind of you. Like, I think that's just who you are. I'm not sure that there's even like an easy way to explain it, but I think there's just something about how we are brought up, especially in like American society. Um, there's this kind of pick yourself up by your bootstraps mentality, but then there's also this mentality of like, just do what's there laid out for you, just take the traditional path because it's safe. And I see these two juxtaposing positions where it's like the American dream, hustle and work hard and get it. But then it's like, take a cushy corporate job because you want to have a, you know, the wife in the picket fence. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I'm always very curious on like how we got there to be in that position to, for the easy, almost the easy route to be just completely accepted. Like nobody's questioning. Nobody questions it. There's just like, well, you go from middle school to high school and then high school to college and college to job. And then, and then you chill in that job for 40 years and then you're done, dude. It's like, that just seems bonkers to me. So when I meet somebody like you, I'm like, we need more Jesse's man. How do we make more Jesse's, you know? And like, I'm learning from you and, 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 but for real, man, it's like, there's not, it's hard to, it's, you almost can't really, you can't, it comes back to, that thing of like you can't want it for somebody else right but i'm always wondering like was it the system like do you have to find it in yourself can can you just watch goggins and just get it and read his books and just get it you know like that's a conversation that i'm always trying to a question i always have you know dude it's it's tough dude and you hit on like a lot of good things there that we are in like the society dude where it's like you go to college you get a job you work nine to five you work until you're 65 dude you get your pension and then you hopefully live off your pension till whenever you get ready to die. Um, dude, like, I, I don't know, dude. People, people live in that mentality. And it's like, I, I think that was like the why behind wealth science, dude. It was like, I wanted people to know that it doesn't have to be like that. You know, and I, dude, I love your story. You always, dude, your story is fire. And whenever I hear you talking about it or on Gary B's post, dude, it's like, it's like, dude, that story is amazing. But dude, I mean, I, I I said this earlier this or earlier this year, dude, and I can't remember who I heard the quote from, but it's like we're living in a society right now where things like mediocrity are being rewarded, and it's just like people are just able to whatever, you know. And again, dude, there's nothing wrong with that. You want to work the nine to five and drive the shitty car and live the shitty life and 
you could be miserable, dude, but it doesn't have to be like that. You know, where does that come from? Dude, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I didn't wake. I mean, it's definitely years and years and years of honing my mental mindset and fucking, you know, not to go Goggins, but like, you know, looking inside my head, dude, and seeing like who I really was. Because like, even when looking back at those days of like ranger school, dude, where it's, you know, four o'clock in the morning, it's pitch black, it's 30 degrees, it's pissing rain. You haven't eaten all, you haven't eaten in days. Like you haven't slept in days. It's like, you know, you don't get that experience in the cubicle, bro. Like you don't get, you don't feel that in the cubicle, dude. You have to go to those types of environments to, to see what that feels like. And then you find out who you really are, dude, and what type of person you are, what type of leader you are um, in those types of situations, dude. But that was, that, not to go all meta on you, dude, but that was that was a good question. Uh, I, I don't even know if I answered that. Or not. I mean, what's, what's your perspective? Yeah, I mean, and it's not even about, you know, that's that's also the, as you ha- will tell, will understand on this podcast, it, it we kind of go around, you know, um, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, 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 a path that we could see, we kind of just dive in and out of things, but, um, you know, try to keep it, uh, p- keep it focused if I can. But yeah, I mean, I think that. I think that people don't know that they have options. That's my, that's, that's what I've always said. And I, and, and I spent like probably a year straight of every single podcast I was on of just like, try new things, try new things, try new things, try new things, you know? And, and because that's what I did, man. Like I've worked at a horse, the biggest horse polo, uh, field in the country on the East coast where I served, uh, rich people food. And I, you know, when the ball went out of bounds, I gave it back to the people riding the horses. And then I also produced podcasts with people like, you know, Gary Busey and like, you know, crazy people like that. And so I've had these kind of dynamic, um, you know, different experiences. And I feel like that's kind of, that's given me a great perspective. And I just don't, if that, if my answer to that question is, I just don't think people understand that it's possible to have options. Like they just think that they it's scarcity mindset jesse right like it's really the fact that oh here's here's my big break i don't believe in big breaks because i've gotten a hundred breaks and some of them were amazing and i didn't even realize they were like it looked like minuscule to me but it ended up being huge and other ones i thought were my big break and ended up being nothing you know but i think people like latch on to like one good thing that happens and they're like all right i'll never lose this it's kind of scarcity Dude, yeah, it is scarcity, and I think I, I say this a lot. I'm talking to people, and if, if people out there disagree, it's whatever. But I think there's a large majority of people out there just living each day, like waiting to die, like getting closer to death. Too there's like, and people like I, I say it all the time, dude. It doesn't have to be like that. Like this, this life can be abundant, dude. And I know it's like it's so cliche to say, dude, life's short, but dude, I'm telling you, like. Time is finite, bro. Time is so finite. It's not even funny, man. Like people like, like if you look at the grand spectrum of the world and how long we've all been here, dude, like billions and billions of years. And you're lucky if you're going to be here for, you know, 80, 90, hundred years, dude, like that is such an opportunity to be here to fucking wake up every day and crush it, dude, and try something new and make mistakes and don't get down on yourself when you fail, dude. I've, I've failed so many times in my military career, my entrepreneur career, dude, I've gotten, I think there are people who like, you know, you look on LinkedIn and you look at like the Gary V's dude, or you look at the guys out there that are crushing it and you're like, man, he was born into that. Or he was, he crushes it and he's never gotten kicked in the face, dude. It, it couldn't be further from the truth. And it's, it's insane, dude. I, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying though. 
but not to like, you know, dread this off into some drama rant, but dude, I almost got hit by an 18 wheeler like three weeks ago, dude, just driving on the highway. And I had like a no shit near death experience, bro. This 18 wheeler, I was coming off the highway. He took the corner too fast. And I mean, missed like the front or the back end of my truck, dude, by like less than three feet. Um, I pulled over, like dialed 911, ran over. This dude was okay. Like, thank God. But I was like, I just like took an hour that night, dude. And I just pondered and was like, dude, if that had hit me, like best, best case scenario, like I'm a vegetable. I'm like eating, breathing, sleeping on a tube for the rest of my life, dude. I'm not being an entrepreneur or anything like that. And it was just like, that just thought, man, just reinvigorated me. It's like, dude, we're here for a finite amount of time. You know what I mean, dude? If, if you're not waking up every single day and if it's being, in my case, it's being an entrepreneur, it was being an army ranger, dude. It was getting out of my comfort zone and going out there to, you know, punch life in the face. But it could be you listening right now who's driving to that nine to five job who, whatever, has always had that thought and, you know, his or her idea or his or her head of doing, what if I did that other thing, man? What if I took a chance? What if I quit my job and followed, you know, my goals or my passions, dude? It's like, dude, time is finite. You know, fuck it. You should just go out there and do it. So powerful, Jesse. And something that I take from both your Army Ranger experience and your near-death experience and other examples you've you've mentioned is perspective. I think that it really what those things do is it gives you that perspective and that perspective leads to that mindset. And it's like if you almost get hit by a truck, you can't not think, wow, life is really like an inch away, you know, at all times, yeah. you know, or death is an inch away. And, and, and that is something that you really can't, you can't read a book and get it, man. You know, you can't, and you got to have those experiences to have that perspective. But I think that you can go out and seek it, you know, and you can, you can learn vicariously through these Goggins and the Jockos and, you know, and you name it. But so many different people who have overcome a lot, man, but it's like, it's about that because I'm always so interested in that of, of how do I build a stronger mindset, stronger perspective, you know? And I kind of like just like it's just over, it's literally and you use this example a lot of times, but it's really a brick a day with the, with I think building like an ironclad mindset. It's not overnight like that one that one instance the other day might have did it for you, but it might only built another few percent. Right. And I think that's really it as well. You kind of have to cultivate it. I don't think it's something that. It's, 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 it's definitely an increase. You got to do it over time. There's no way you become a, a Goggins wasn't Goggins. Dude, he was fat and overweight. And for people who don't know, David Goggins, like Jesse mentioned, Navy SEAL, um, just Google him, watch three videos. You'll get it. You'll probably binge him if you haven't heard him before, (laughs) but, but for real, man, it's really a brick a day with that mindset. But I, 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 I want just since in the instance of time, man, we have so much to dive into and, and in that, you you did mention uh, multiple times what what you've done with entrepreneurship, and before we dive into anything real estate entrepreneurship, Jesse, I'd like to take it back a little bit. Can you bring me back to college and and I'm assuming I'm 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 starting there only because that's where I assumed this started for you, and I believe it did start with with your first um, with one of your first houses or your first tenants and things like that. But can you bring me back a little bit to where your entrepreneurial journey started? Yeah. So this, this journey started back in college. Yeah. I was I think 19 or 20 years old. Again, I went to school, just state school in upstate New York. 
um, grew up up there. And this is all while I'm doing like a military thing on a weekly basis too. Like I'm um, finishing up my sophomore year, dude. And like, everybody's excited, like going to college, like your junior, senior year, you can move off campus and you can live downtown. It's like it, where I grew up, like it's a pretty big downtown area. So there's like a huge, what we call like the student section, or it's just literally college houses, every single house. There's no real families that live down there. So like, I'm, you know, grabbing my buddies and I'm like, Hey, let's go start finding the house for next year. We'll talk to landlords, you know, we'll go whatever source, uh, you know, a property we can live in. And like, we're going to the student section, dude. And like, I'd been down there before a lot to like party at my buddy's houses, but these houses, dude, were just like absolute, like just shitholes, to be honest, dude, they were owned by slumlords. I mean, probably your typical, like 99% of other college kids would have been like, Oh yeah, this is the norm. Like, yeah, there's nothing weird about this at all. It's college house, you know? And I guess like a part of me was like that, but a part of me was like, dude, this is a fucking shithole. Like, what if we just took one of these and made it nicer? Like, I bet we could charge more money. I bet we could, uh, you know, bring in nice appliances. I bet we could uh, have a waiting list. Like these are, these houses suck, man. And like, I'm talking to a couple of my buddies. Cause you're like, Hey, what's the landlord like at this house? What's the landlord like at this house? And they're like, Oh, dude, that window back there has been smashed for like two months. You know, I, I text him like every week. He, he doesn't even text me back. He just takes my check every month. And uh, then he ripped my security deposit last week when I moved out too. So don't worry. He, he got his. And it's just like, dude, I just, it was like an aha moment, dude. I, I listen to At this point in my life, I have no real estate experience. I've never read a book on real estate. I have absolutely no idea what's going on. But I pitched my, uh, I pitched a couple of my buddies, dude. I pitched my dad and I'm like, Hey, what if we pull some money together for a down payment? We buy one of these houses. You know, I can live in one room. I have an in with the student body right now. I have access to whatever, a lot of friends, buddies, students that we can use to fill this property with. Um, you know, let's put a down payment on. Let's put aside, you know, whatever, 10, 20, $30,000 or whatever it was at that first one. You know, let's improve the property. Let's put like some stainless steel appliances in here. Let's, take it, you know, let's take it to the next level, the experience, dude. And it was like, holy shit, like no one's ever thought to do that for student housing. So we do this, dude, my junior year, um, my, me and my dad go in on it. I live in one room. I have already my college buddies lined up who we put in the seven other bedrooms, dude. And it was like, holy shit, this is like passive income, dude. Like, and I started to like to conceptualize the difference between like active income people who go to nine to five and they have to work the nine to five or they don't get paid. And then like, I conceptualize the idea of passive income where it's like, dude, if I go to my nine to five or not, like these guys still owe me rent at the end of the month. Like it doesn't matter this, this house is making me money in my sleep right now. This is pretty cool. I didn't even know this was a thing, dude. So it was, it was like the beginning dude. And we were off to the races, but it was just like that idea, dude, no real estate experience. We just like walked down, I like saw an opportunity and I pitched somebody on it and uh, now we're off to the races, dude. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if you have any thoughts on kind of like that beginning of the, uh, the empire. Oh, I love it, man. And it will, it like many things it spawned, not from the wanting to do that specific thing. It's spawned by just a curiosity and ob observation. And you're an extremely curious should like be like tattooed on your, bicep or something jesse like i just feel like you're always you kind of have a natural curiosity of things and i find myself i believe i'm similar in that way i see things 
And I just want to know why, like, why is this, like, why is this car? So I, I do it with cars, you know, I take a car and I go, why is this car here? You know? So then I find out who owns this car. And then I know, and I look under it, I'm like, it doesn't have as much rust. Like, this is doable. I can flip this, you know, let me see. And so it's like, it's just this car that's sitting here. And, and that's that same mindset of like, here's this house. Like, why is this not better? Like, who are these people, you know? And it's just that curiosity of like, how does this even happen, you know? And so I think like, once again, dude, you can't build it. It's like just kind of a natural built-in trait, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of that, man, is there any, at that time, First of all, what were you going to college for? Let me just just answer that, and then we're going to keep going from there. Yeah, dude, I went to college for criminal justice. I don't know, dude. I don't know what I was thinking. I think it was like the easiest major there, and I just like definitely couldn't take math or science because there was just no fucking shot I was doing that. Uh, but dude, like no finance background. I tell this to everyone. I don't have a finance background. I don't have a real estate background. I don't have an MBA. Uh, my undergrads in criminal justice. I literally did read a fuck ton of books. I listened to a shit ton of podcasts. And I networked my ass off dude, And that's how I closed the knowledge gap and how to own and operate real estate. So can you speak on that a little bit? What do you mean close the knowledge gap? Yeah, dude. So like once I got in there in that first property, I was like, Hey, this is like pretty fun. It's easy. Like the numbers dude. And to kind of like give you an aspect of like the gross and stuff like that for like your audience, if they give a shit or not. But so we were buying these properties, dude, and the slumlords. So this was a duplex, this first property. It was side by side. There was four bedrooms, one bath on one side, four bedrooms, one bath on the other side, dude. And these slumlords were renting it, I think, for like $1,000. And they'd rent the whole unit. So they'd say, grab four dudes, and they'd be like, hey, here's $1,000 a month for this property. So we come in, dude, and we start cutting it up by the bedroom. And I'm like, I bet I can charge like $500 a bedroom per per month so like we would grab four dudes and we'd be like hey dude we don't rent by the unit here you know we put all this nice appliances in here we fix the property it's really nice dude because we do all that we actually rent by the bedroom so we rent 500 per bedroom so here we are we're buying it from these slumlords who are renting a thousand a unit a month and now day one or really after the first month we're doubling gross revenue because on one side we're now collecting two thousand dollars a month as opposed to a thousand because we're doing 500 times four. So that's kind of just gives you an idea also of like the business model and how we were kind of just working these numbers in our head. And we're like, yeah, these slumlords can only get a thousand dollars a month because their, their properties are shit. But when we put like good, you know, nice stuff in there, dude, he's like, dude, we've got kids lining up to pay 500 a bedroom a month. This is a no brainer business model. We're doubling the gross revenue literally in, in the first month. It's like a no brainer, dude. So then it was like, you know, how can we start acquiring more properties? And like, I learned really quickly. I was like, you know, one property is like easy to manage. It's not that difficult, but like, I need to start learning more about real estate and how this all works, dude. Like I need to start investing time into the education aspect, like, or I'm going to fall, fall, dude, and I'm going to fall and I'm going to become one of these slumlords if I don't continuously push myself to get educated, learn, how can we make the properties better? How can we manage them better? How can we bring in, you know, better appliances, make the numbers better, et cetera, dude. So basically I just started networking my ass off, dude. And I, I tell this to everyone that's out there who's always like, dude, how can I start right now, you know, learning and getting better, dude. It's like, dude, you need to network your ass off, dude. You need to, whether it's, if you're in real estate, if you're in stocks, if you're in podcasts, dude, if you take 
the next 30 days, dude, and just talk to two to three new people a day that are in what you want to do. If it's real estate, stocks, crypto, podcasting, whatever, fill in the blank. Dude, just do that for the next 30 days and your network will 10x. And all the time, dude, and we're going to get into this probably like here in like 45 minutes when like we talk about where we're, what we're doing today. But dude, that, I learned so much from just people, from just getting on the phone with people and being like, hey, dude, I'm working on a property like this. Make sure you manage it like that because here are the lessons I learned because I made a mistake. And there are so many people out there, dude, who are willing to share knowledge out there that are that's free, dude. And um, Justin, Justin Welsh, it's on this all the time on LinkedIn, dude, but to bring him up, He's like, dude, everything in my products, you can find out there for free. The only thing people are paying me for is I systematize it in a two-hour block if it's the operating system with his uh, videos that he puts together, dude. But like people out there are paying, you know, for real estate uh, coaches. They're paying thousands of dollars a month, dude. But you can just find all that information out there for free. It's just investing the time, dude, to network and get on the phone and, and meet new people, dude. But long story short, to make it come full circle, we, we scaled that uh, student housing portfolio from one property. And today it's seven properties. I think it's it's a mixture of duplexes, triplexes, quadplexes, dude. I want to say it's like 60 or 65 bedrooms that we rent by the bedroom. So really it operates the portfolio as like a 65 unit apartment building, if you want to think of it like that. So. I love it. And yes, a million directions I'd like to go. Um, you brought up Justin Welsh. I'll add context for people who don't know. He's a yeah, yeah. LinkedIn creator. He's he's arguably, and maybe we can find the numbers, but arguably probably the highest grossing LinkedIn creator in terms of revenue, um, millions per year off of off of the platform, which is incredible. And uh, we've taken his course and, and benefited from that. But But off of that point, I, what I tell people is you can never give away enough value, dude. It's like people can have the world in their hands and still not know how to use it. Like, and they could literally, you could give them the playbook. How many courses are make a million dollars? Do this, do that. It's like, dude, you can give, you could give away anything and people still wouldn't you know, do it or be able to do it or have the confidence to do it. So everything is out there. And, and that's why I do I love your story so much because it started with the curiosity. But the fact of the matter is you didn't go to college for this stuff. There is no playbook on, 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 Hey, what if I'm X years old and you know, I want to go into real estate and I want to house hack, but improve the living conditions so we can charge more dude, Google search that there ain't no results on, on that one, you know? And so it's, you have to kind of build it as you go, but it turns out every other person who's made millions and millions of dollars in real estate has a book that you can read that's like $10 and has a blog that you can read for free and has a podcast you can listen to for free and a LinkedIn that you can read posts for free. It's like they give you, and that's what I, we, that's what we both do in our posts every day and in our content, not to dive into the content here. Cause that is a whole conversation. But what I'm really trying to do 100% for people listening is I'm trying to tell you how to do it one day at a time. You know, I'll, I'll give, I'll tell you how to do everything. Literally, I, I will hold nothing back, you know, and and so that is such such powerful point, too. And 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 such a such a great thing to know, because it kind of ties back to the mindset where everything you need is here, especially with the Internet. Jesse, I wouldn't be here without the Internet. I would have never met you. And to your point about networking, we'll dive into networking as well, is the everything you need to know is there and every person you need to know is available to you now. What's the barrier to anything? It's just that work. And you are the number one 
exemplifying, you know, you're the number one example of this, Jesse, because you network with so many people. How many people do you have a system for this? First of all, how many people do you connect with on like a weekly basis? Can we can we start there? Dude, I'm I'm extreme, dude, and I don't recommend anyone to do this because it's. I recommend all uh, people to do this. uh, Follow Jesse. (laughs) No, if you don't know Jesse already, guys, Jesse's a unique case. So just be careful. You might completely change your life tomorrow. But kind of watch out. Put an asterisk next to this episode, dude. I'm not going to be responsible for any massive levels of success that someone achieves from this, dude. But. Dude, like over, I set a goal and I started this. Yeah, I started this a year ago, dude, in 2021, January 2021, dude. I was like, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to talk to five new people a day, Monday through Friday. My goal was to talk to 25 new people a week. And this could be real estate related, dude. It could be business related, entrepreneur related. It could be military related, dude. I was like, I'm just going to, I just want my network to fucking go through the roof this year. I was like, I'm not going to set a number on it. I don't want to make this X dollars. I just want my network to go through the fucking roof. And dude, I would say four out of the five days, I probably hit my five, maybe a day here and there because people cancel on YouTube, dude. I mean, people that you want to talk to, hey, I had something come up. Yeah, no worries, bro. Like shit happens. Uh, But dude, I was averaging easily 20, 22, 24 new people a week. And dude, I did that. I would say probably if, if out of the 52 total weeks in 2021, I probably did that 47 or 48 weeks, dude. There was a week here and there, maybe with like military training where I just couldn't make it work or something like that. But dude, my network, dude, went through the fucking roof. And I mean, like when I got ready to launch Wealth Science, dude, one of the hardest things, and I'm sure maybe you can relate to this in the beginning of Bobcast, like hard thing, dude. And you and Jack, I remember like talking about this when we were getting ready to launch. You guys were like, dude, we're worried about this guy like finding enough gas. And I was like, Oh, dude, no. I've had like 500 phone calls in the last six months, dude. And even today, dude, I've got to like, when I interview people on Walt Science, I got to be like straightforward. I'd be like, dude, this isn't going to go live for like five months because I have like 20 episodes in the bank right now because I've networked my fucking ass off over the last year, dude. Like I literally, people DMing me nonstop to come on, dude. It's it's just crazy. But Again, dude, I, I would I get off the W2, dude. I would come home from the army shit at like four or five o'clock and I'd be on the phone from like five o'clock to eight o'clock every night. And looking back on it, dude, yeah, it, it was crazy. It's insane. I mean, I'm, I'm still doing it right now, dude. But, you know, dude, I, I would tell anybody, maybe not, maybe not do it for 12 months, Sully, but do it for 30 days, bro. I'm telling you, it'll change your life. It will and completely. And, 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 and just so people know, I got... I have gotten everything through people. Yeah. I I applied for a job one time. I did a job interview, like with a resume. I applied for a job, and I didn't get the job. The only job I applied for with with a resume was the only one I didn't that I actually didn't get. It was all through people, right? Because the trust acceleration factor it puts you five hundred times above the next person because they want somebody that they can trust and. And, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's crazy. And so let me ask you this, a personal question, Jesse, you are, you're, you are, you are married now, right? Are you married now? Yeah, I got married last year. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats on that, my brother. And you have a dog. Yeah. 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 I got a dog. Yeah. He's a good pup. So, and by the way, he's a fixture of your content, which I love. Um, but so listen, so you have, you, you have a wife, you have a dog, um, you know, no kids yet, but I assume, you know, in the future, um, what, 
does your wife think about this your kind of hustle is she, was she used to this like listen dude you're not everybody networks for three and a half hours a night so i'm just and and this is bobcast i'll go into and you know you, we don't have to go too personal if you don't want to but for for people ask me all the time when i got in a relationship one of my friends was like, dude, that's insane. Like Sully can't be in a relationship. Like that's just insane. Like there's, there's no way he's going to be able to sustain that, you know? So what do you, what, what are the, you know, kind of conversations? Like, is she in full support? Just like, yeah, Jesse, whatever you got to do. Do you guys have a, you know, date night or whatever to make sure like there's a night a week? Like, I, I know this is a lot of questions, but I'm really wondering the actual life quote unquote life design that kind of goes into play here because there's a lot of time you're putting into this. Dude, it's it's such a good question and it's I, I love answering this. I always ask guys on my podcast like talk work life balance because like I'm a huge proponent dude of like passive income and that like if we get to the finish line of whatever this journey is and like our family isn't there with us. Like in my in my opinion, like my two cent opinion, dude, you're a failure that happens, dude. Because I am such a family man. And I, I take such great pride in it, dude. But yeah, dude, I mean, first off, dude, my wife's a fucking rock star. She's, she's awesome. She's way out of my fucking league, dude. I mean, she's a nurse practitioner. She fucking kills it. Um, honestly, dude, I've just had honest conversations with her over the years that like, you know, we have an ample amount of time right now in our lives because we don't have kids. You know, we'll start a family here within the next year. But like, dude, once... Once I have a kid, dude, I'm going to be dad from like five o'clock to eight o'clock, dude. It's going to be fucking dinner time. It's going to be bath time. It's going to be homework time, bedtime, dude. Um, so it's just utilizing what I have right now, dude, to just feed that passion project. And every minute that I can, every hour that I can, dude. Um, but, you know, I would tell anybody to like have that honest conversation with your spouse because I'm lucky that she's 100% supportive, dude, and, and wants me to get after it and gets fired up when you know, I just get off a phone call, you know, with a six figure investor who's ready to invest with us next week. Um, she gets as excited as I do, dude. And kind of a backstory. This is like, I've never shared this with anybody, dude, but we, we, uh, we forego to a honeymoon. Like we got married last year and we decided not to go on a honeymoon, dude. And we took that money and we're investing it in real estate right now, dude. And like just this mentality of like, Hey, you know, yeah, we could go on a honeymoon and drop like 10 grand right now and come back and be like, I'm not saying in debt, dude, but whatever, you know, below $10,000 into like maybe a black hole two week activity, dude, where like we can take that $10,000 right now and, and build a dream, you know, for our future family, for our kids to go to college, for for us to live an abundant lifestyle where we're not depending on nine to five income, dude. And like, I, I know that like, I'm going to take her on a fucking honeymoon and like, not not too long from now, probably like two or three years once this really takes off, dude. And it's going to be a bomb ass honeymoon. And it's just going to be like so fulfilling, dude. It's going to be way more fulfilling than if we had ripped it, you know, when we were like 25, 26, dude. But, uh, but yeah, dude, that was a great question. I love talking work-life balance. I mean, I, I don't know if you have anything to add or, or what your thoughts are. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, and for folks listening, you, as, as you know, if you've listened to multiple episodes of this podcast, I try to infuse different perspectives where, but, and, and this podcast isn't just for me, but these are questions that I really am curious of, right? Because especially you don't even have to be this crazy grind person that just works all the time and, or, or, or is constantly working on, on your craft or, or your side hustle or whatever. It's not, I'm not saying you have to be that person to take value from this. I think even if you spend an extra hour a day playing video games, you still have to have that conversation with your spouse. 
and and I'm not villainizing video games or anything. Video games are actually good for your brain and things like that. It's I was been a, I was a gamer for for years, man, and and I play guitar and I like to do podcasts, you know, for fun. And everybody has their thing, you know. Um, but I think that even if you just having those honest conversations is so important. I've done it with my girlfriend in the beginning, from the beginning to now, and we're at almost two years. And I said to her, I said, listen, like, you don't have to go in just so you know, I'm not buying a forever home off the bat. Like I'm, I'll buy my own house, but I want to live in it and renovate it and, and, and have, you know, get an FHA loan and do it that way. Right. That's what I want to do. But if she wants to buy a house and she, she has her own job and her own, um, you know, her, her own salary and everything. And she can do that. But I'm constantly letting her know, like, just so you know, obviously we're going to make decisions together, but for me personally, um, you know, I'm going to do this first. Uh, and, and, and you don't have to put your money into it or whatever, especially if we're not married and things like that. But I want her to know that even if it's five years down the line, even if it's eight, that that's what's going to happen. So when that comes up, it's not, oh my God, I thought we were going to buy this for f- house together and live there. For, you know, it's like, so there's none of those surprises. And I think that that's what catches a lot of people up here. And I'm no relationship expert. I'm, I'm probably the least have the least expertise in that, but that communication, man, how essential is that? Like, you don't want the worst thing that could happen is those su- surprises that pop up and you're like, oh my God, you spent X amount on this, like this crazy on this course or whatever, you know? And so I don't, I, I really do try to pad it with that. And, and, and I'll just kind of wrap this thought up with this. I was at my girlfriend's house, actually her parents' house. And I picked up a D a, C, a book set and it was Dave Ramsey. And I opened up the Dave Ramsey book and I'm not super familiar with him, but I know the name. I opened it up and Jesse, the ex- the example I opened it up to, this was, this was two days ago was we for, for went our honeymoon and saved the money where all the other couples, no joke, Jesse, that was the example I opened to two days ago. And, and to wrap up the wrap up of the thought is you probably, if you watch the Super Bowl, and this will come out probably a, a month or so after the Super Bowl, you saw the Expedia commercial. And, and, and just to explain it simply, the Expedia commercial was a man like walking through these different scenes, if I'm, if I'm telling it correctly. And at the end, it was like, you're not going to, you're not going to uh, forget the experiences that you had. Right. And that's the thing, Jesse, you're not saying we're not going to go on a honeymoon. You're saying, let's look at the time and income we have right now and determine the best use of this money currently right and so that's different than saying you're never going to go we're not going on a honeymoon we need to save that money that's not your mindset right and so i just want to paint this picture for people of you don't have to be an evil person and try to go do away with all the fun things in life experiences are amazing you know if you do a week in mexico or a week overseas or a week anywhere you have a lot of fun but you're not ditching the the experiences you're doing what's best for you in that moment in time financially so to set yourself up later. And I think that future focus is something that you really have a really good grasp on and what I'm trying to have a great grasp on too. So to wrap that thought up, once again, for people listening, this podcast is for sure for me, but it's for you as well. But I really do want to know how these people are doing this. Why would you forego your honeymoon? You know, well, that's a great way to, to do it, you know, um, and a great reason to do it for the time being. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts on something, dude. We talk about this so much in, in today's society, dude, and we're hitting on it a little bit, but I don't want to gloss over it, dude. Like the concept of like hustle culture, dude, or grind culture, like it comes up all the time, dude. It's like everybody has a different perspective on it. And, you know, I struggle with it too, dude, because there are times where like I'm chained to this desk from, you know, sun up to sundown, dude. And it's like, 
this isn't, I, sometimes I have to bring myself back, dude, and be like, what, you know, what is this all about? This is about not what's going on at this desk right now. This is what, what this is about is building a dream where I can spend however much time I want with the people I love doing what I love, dude. Like, I don't want to have to go to work today and do this or, or do that, dude, or go, you know, whatever, do that. You know, it's like, sometimes I have to remind myself, dude, and I think it's so easy, especially in something like, you know, maybe the financial world of real estate or crypto or whatever, where, you know, you're starting to make a lot of money and it's like, Hey man, like, you know, this can be euphoric. It can be, you know, a high dude. Like I love putting together big deals and submitting big offers dude. like, it's a high dude. Like when I get off a phone call with an investor who's ready to invest six figures like that, that is a fucking great feeling, dude. But it's like, man, I, I've got to sometimes just bring myself back, dude, and remind myself why I'm on this journey. But hustle culture comes up all the time, dude. I mean, I mean, what's your what's your take on it? Well, and I think uh, it's funny to refer to our uh, to refer to my my friend, coworker, and uh, somebody who you've worked with, Jack. You know, Jack Gallagher. To shout him out here, he calls it grind set, and I think that's what it really it is. Kind of like when you sit now, when he says that, I know okay, it's a Gary V. It's a it's a this, it's a that. Um, and and not to throw Gary V's name out there um, for something he's not involved in, but but it but it he he's like the unofficial. Uh, spokesperson character of of this quote unquote hustle culture, but most people don't really understand them and don't really get it, and they think that it's something that it's not. But my thought on it is, um, you know, for sure, it's I I really there's a lot I know people who want to make themselves out like they are an entrepreneur and that they have the lifestyle and that they're in a hot tub on the edge of a cliff, okay? And I know those guys and I know their business and I know how much money they make and I know what's real and what's not real and I know which cars are their dads because their dad owns a luxury car dealership. Like I know these people, you know? And I would and I and I see that and 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 they'll some of these kind of guru type of hustle people they're going to constantly try to if if people are trying to sell you i'm not saying exotic cars and rolexes and everything is not cool there's a place for it but if that's the basis of it that's when that's the hustle culture that i don't really vibe with i'm more about what did you build you know what did you work on what did you create and and sure if you had your team create something that was amazing that's good too like that's what i'm saying but I, I, my opinion on the hustle kind of culture, the grind set, so to say, is that I'm not concerned with the lifestyle that these people live because I don't know if that's real. I can't verify. What I can verify is if your customers are happy. What I can verify is if your connections are real and if, and if you have good referrals and if somebody says that you're a trustworthy person, you know, and I know this is like, oh, no, yeah, everybody, you just got to trust people. And, and, you know, not to say that hustle, this hustle culture is all bullshit, but hustle doesn't get you anywhere. The hustle gets you to the point as far as hard work gets you. And we all know that hard work gets you to the point where now you're in the position to make better decisions. I just take the Warren Buffett approach. I, once you get to, once you max out hard work, then comes better decision-making, right? Warren Buffett makes how many decisions a year, right? And we don't question how hard he works. The guy lays back, puts his feet up, eats McDonald's and drinks Coca-Cola, and he's one of the most quote-unquote successful people in the world. So hard work for me is only one component, and that's what that hustle, this hustle culture thing, it wants you to, it wants to make you think that hard work gets you physical items. And it's just, that's not what I'm, my values don't align with that. They align with like, 
outcomes and people and businesses and building products and building things and creation, you know? So that's kind of my like thoughts on, on that. I'm not here to disparage anybody or put everybody down. I like Anthony Frisella and he all constantly says like, there's nothing wrong with making a car, making a, a Camaro part of your goals, but it can't be the end all be all because once you're driving it, you're going to get used to it in about 10 minutes, you know? So that's kind of my like roundabout way of, of approaching that. Yeah, no, dude, great way to put it. And like, I think I said it like in the first part of this, but like, dude, the why, to me personally, at least the why has to be bigger than the bottom line because it, it can't just be about the dollars, dude. I think I think a couple of things happen when it's just when you run into people or you work with people and it's just about the dollars, dude. I think there's like an incentive to do something maybe unethical or immoral when it when it comes down to just how much money can we make off this deal, dude. Or, or maybe it pushes some people to start thinking like that or, or something like that, dude. But, you know, when that why is about... Oh, great point. That's... Yeah. No, dude. Yeah. No, I agree. Like when that why is about something bigger than the bottom line, hey, we want to supply safe, secure, clean housing. You know, like we're looking at a mobile home park right now. We just submitted a $1.6 million offer at last week. And it's like, we, we love mobile home parks, dude. We love affordable housing. But like one of the biggest aspects of it, dude, is I'm a huge proponent of whether no matter how much money you make a year, dude, like shelter is a basic human demand in this life. People need shelter. They need water. They need oxygen. They need food. Like, I don't care where you grew up, dude. I don't care how much money you make. You know, everyone deserves a safe, secure, clean place to live, dude. And it's like when we're buying some of these communities and it's the same thing. Think of what I was doing in college, dude, but just on a 10x scale, you know, we're buying some of these communities from like, you know, shitty operators or people who just didn't give a shit about the tenants. And we're going in there and we're fixing them up, dude. But it, it's just like amazing, dude, to just see people and be like, yeah, we're impacting lives by doing this. Dude. Like, yeah, we're investors. We're capitalists. We're entrepreneurs. We're, we're making a lot of money doing this. But it's like the other aspect of it is like, no, we're also supplying these people uh, a clean, safe, secure place to live. And it's just like, it just comes back to it all of you that the why for us is bigger than the bottom line. I, I love talking about that. Yeah, I, I that's a good point that you made too about the ethics because it really does, it really does come back to that because yes, you're going to be in a situation where do you make more money or do you, like, do you, would, do you willingly, you know, possible potential do you not help somebody and make more money or do you help somebody and make less money and i think that people have once again scarcity mindset dude it's like i've had i have months now like i don't make any money like i have some months i'll make money and my money doesn't my money goes right back you know and and my guys know that like they know that every they know that they're getting paid and that like it's not for me this business is a standalone thing and the business the money comes in and then it goes to the people that work you know and but but people at the end of the day if i was if i had the wrong mindset i would i would start taking that money because i would justify what i need that money for you know it's so easy to justify and so i think and i know you don't have like i don't know your business you might be llc or whatever but it's a little bit different what either of us do um but i think especially in business that's what happens where they have a down month and they're like i could pay this guy but i really do need to pay my rent right or i do really need to pay these bills or pay this car because i have a 2021 car that i got because i got a good deal for it man and like you know that that in that payment and so i think that you're right the when it when it becomes real is when you have to make a decision 
of do I screw somebody over a little bit more to make more money (laughs) or do I do the right thing? And the right thing way back to the beginning is probably the hardest thing. But the hardest thing is always the best thing to do, you know. When it comes to, I want to make a little left turn, and we're gonna we we could go any direction, but rather, I'd like to stay on because we only touched a little bit on the real estate, and and we kind of, I think, for listeners, they kind of have they know how you started, and they know maybe a little bit where you at, but I want to fill in some gaps in the middle here. So you're 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 doing this with your first flip, Jesse, and your first house, right? You're you're doing the house hacking, so to say, right? You're renting out the rooms. What what did it take for you to then continue? How do I get my next house and my next house? And you've mentioned this many times on your podcast, so have your guests, but maybe the listeners haven't heard it yet. Can you speak a little bit to that and like how it progressed? Because now you have X amount of tenants, you have X amount under management, right? But it didn't start there. You started with this one house. But how, like you said, you had no background. How did you know what to do next or where to go net from there? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. Like it just came back to like what we were talking about, you know, in the beginning a little bit of like closing the knowledge gap and what it takes to actually scale a business because like having one property or having one podcast or whatever, dude, like, yeah, you can own that dude, but like going from one to two or two to 10, dude, is a completely different ball game when it comes to setting the right systems and processes that, you know, gives any business the ability to grow. But really, dude, it was the networking. It was closing the knowledge gap. It was explaining what I was doing, dude. I, I hit on that a lot. That it's like, hey, I love talking about what I do to everyone. I do it huge now on LinkedIn. But basically, I you know approached more people and was like, hey, these are great you know deals, great returns. Um, you know, this could be a great future opportunity for you if you if you want to invest. And um, yeah, dude, we just took it off from there. I mean, like when I was in college, dude, I was doing the renovations. I was helping with everything, dude. I mean, we were renovating these properties, dude. I'm there every day that I can be getting after it. And then finding other properties, dude. I mean, the whole student housing portfolio that we own, dude, it's all within about half a mile of each other, every property. It's it's basically, you know, just talking to other slumlords and being like, hey, like, you know, this house sucks. Are you, are you looking to sell it? Like, it doesn't look like you put a whole lot into it. And, you know, 99% of people would be offended except these people, I guess, were kind of, they were just bad people. So, like, they weren't thinking that it Yeah, well, just well like, can you touch on that? Who are these, like, are do these people just agree and be like, yeah, it is a piece of shit house. Like, do you want it, man? Like, what is the, like, do you have any certain, like, speci- do you have any certain example of somebody you bought a house from that was interesting? Or, you know, you don't have to name them or anything. But is, is there any, like, you know, experience that you had that's that that you were like, wow, I kind of can't can't believe this? Dude, I have I have a couple stories like that, dude. Um, and to kind of I won't name any names or anything like that, dude. But these are just properties that we bought from people that again we got for great prices because they're being mismanaged and underoperated and just not of high quality, basically. Before we took them over, but like I have stories, dude. I'm trying to think of a crazy one, but basically, so these um, houses they're like 100 years old, or some of them are like 70, 80 years old, dude. They have these old like water heaters or heating systems in the basement. And basically if those heating systems can malfunction, they can create carbon monoxide, which is you probably have a carbon monoxide detector in your house. Like I have one like in my hallway here. It's it's in order to detect if like your heater malfunctions and starts producing carbon monoxide, which is toxic. It can, you can basically go to sleep and not wake up dude. So one of these properties, it hadn't been replaced in years because the landlord, again, is just a piece of shit and didn't care to do it. 
and you never replace the carbon monoxide detectors or anything like that. Or maybe maybe the story was like one of the carbon monoxide detectors just kept going off, but the landlord was like, no, it's fine. You know, there's an issue with it. The battery's broken. It's, it's chirping. I'll get over there and change the battery. Basically, these tenants just got fed up with it. They dialed 911. They called the fire department. The fire department comes here. They shut down the whole house, dude. They're like, everybody grab your shit and just get the fuck out of the house right now. Like they're kitted up in like air tanks on and stuff like that. And they're like, the carbon monoxide levels in the basement were like of of lethality level. Like they could have fucking killed someone. And the only thing that saved the tenants was a like smashed window in the basement, which was like allowing like carbon monoxide to funnel out of the basement and and not basically seep up through like the floor and like kill the tenants dude but just because of this like shithole landlord who didn't want to drop like it, it is like a couple thousand dollars dude but it's a no-brainer um if you're going to be and this is just a thought for everybody out there dude if you're if you're going to be a landlord you are responsible for human life you're responsible for the upkeep of that property it's up to code it's up to fire code. You know, the fire alarms have fresh batteries in it. Carbon monoxide has good batteries in it. Um, you know, everything is up to code, dude. It's like people don't understand as a landlord, like you're no shit responsible for human life. If there was ever a fire in one of our properties and they came in and found that our property wasn't up to code, it would be a massive lawsuit, dude. I mean, it's it's not something that we mess with. It's always something we look at and make sure it's good to go and 100%, dude. But that story was fucking crazy, and those people easily could have died if it wasn't. I can't remember if it was like a cracked window. It was some like one in a million shot that like if it hadn't been there, like the carbon monoxide would just seep up through the vents and basically killed everyone in the house. Wow did did do you think that owner faced any you know punishment for that or anything or like what kind of happens in that scenario? I mean, it's freaking dude, yeah, crazy. That, to- that's a good question, dude. Yeah, that's a good question, dude. I, I don't know whatever came of it or, or happened. I'm sure there was like someone's parent has to be an attorney and I'm sure something was like some civil lawsuit of like, hey, you almost killed my kid um, probably came about, dude. But yeah, um, once we took that one over, it was like a full full stop. Uh, no one's living in this property for, you know, three, four, six months, however long it takes for us to bring it up to level um bring in building city permits codes people um fire people double check everything replace everything um it was like a full six months of like just a full stop like hey nobody's living in this property until we are 100 certain that we've remedied and fixed every issue that we've taken over from this prior landlord dude but that's just one story of many dude of just like people out there who just don't give a shit dude they don't give a shit about the tenant they care about the dollars um, they would rather rip a $500 security deposit from a tenant who might have broken something as simple as like a blind or something like that and make $450 than take care of that tenant, treat them awesome, supply them a great product like we do. And what happens then, that tenant then tells 20 of his buddies, hey, you got to go rent from Jesse and his father because they're they're doing it different over there. It's It's amazing. They're super responsive, dude. And just to kind of fill, build your situation awareness, dude, we have a we have a full waiting list, dude. We have literally people texting us nonstop for for rooms and for property and to rent, dude. And we actually have an in with the university, dude. My dad sits on the off-campus student housing like committee or whatever, dude. So all the time people are calling like the off-campus student housing 
whatever section of the university or manager or whatever. And dude, this guy's just being like, yeah, you guys should call uh, Jesse and Vince and see if they have any openings because they're like, their product is so much better than all the other landlords out there, dude. So it's just like, dude, we're at, we've never been at anything less than a hundred percent occupancy, hundred percent collections, dude. And, and just waiting lists out the door and literally the university is feeding us business. So it's, we've never spent a single penny on marketing, dude. It's literally just all word of mouth. It's just supplying an amazing product. And then just having that college kid go tell 20 of his buddies, dude, you guys, yo, your landlord's a piece of shit. Like, let me tell you about my landlord. Like I texted him and he was here in 15 minutes the other day to like fix this issue, dude. It's, it's a no brainer, but, uh, but yeah, dude, that was a crazy story. And it kind of just goes to show how we've scaled it to what it is today. Yeah. The work itself though, it speaks for itself, right? Jesse, like that's why we don't run Facebook ads and stuff like that. It's like you, people just see the, the edits and the clips and you know they listen to it they watch it they hear it and it's the same thing they're they see the house they know like they're they're there they like wow this is like incredible like that's why you have a wait list like you know it's it, it really is what i what i'd say to people too is like at the end of the day if the work is in front of people it's going to be recognized but for sure it has to be in front of people it has to be deliberately placed in front of people for them to see it that's step one but then the work just speaks for itself. You know, it's just like an exhibit, but I have a specific question for you, man. Like, have you had, like you said, you have, um, I, I, I forgot the word you use, but, but if, have you had people not like delay payment and not pay you rent? Like, does that ever happen to you? And, and, and what is your philosophy on that? Why does that, why does that happen? Regardless of financial issues that happen with people, like why would, do people not pay rent because mostly of shitty landlords? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think the term I used was 100% collection. So we never have issues collecting rent or anything like that. Basically, everyone that pays, um, we, we have no issues with. And I think there's a couple aspects that go into that. First, with student housing, and I'm not, I'm going to make a generalized statement just from my limited experience. So just take this as you want. Um, with the majority of our tenants, like I don't think it's the tenants themselves that are making the rent payment. I think it's their their parent or their mother or father. So I think there's that aspect of it where you're not dependent on one person to make the rent. You're kind of like dependent almost on like their immediate network to make the rent as opposed to renting um, maybe to a family or something like that who you are depending on them to make the rent payment. So I think there's that aspect of it, dude. And then there's the security deposit, deposit aspect of it, too, where like and, and I bring up the example all the time. I have several buddies who whatever, you know, broke a blind or you know, maybe broke a cabinet just by accident, dude. And these are older houses too. And the landlord, you know, rips their whole $500 security deposit for that one little mistake here. We're, you know, we're ripping like whatever it is. If it's a blind, maybe it's like 20 bucks. If it's, you know, a cabinet door or something like that, maybe it's like 30 bucks or something like that, dude. But we're not ripping people off. Like we're not playing the short game of like, how can we make, you know, a couple hundred bucks off this person? We're playing the long game, dude. It's like, let's make a great product that, you know, we have a great relationship with these tenants and then they go off and they tell everybody about it, dude. And it's it, to us, it's a no brainer, but yeah, people, I'm sure people probably walk out on landlords all the time or they don't pay the last month's rent man, or they don't, you know, whatever they skip rent in the last few months because they think they can just get away with it. I mean, we don't have issues with that dude because, you know, we are supplying a product that beats the competition we're now also attracting a tenant that's higher than the average tenant, dude. It's like we, because we have a waiting list, 
we can do background checks and see who's a good tenant and who's going to take care of our property and stuff like that. We're not like the slumlords who are like, I'll take whoever I can get to get in here because I have to get somebody in here because if my occupancy rate's not high enough, I'm going to, you know, uh, underperform and miss my down payment or my mortgage payment, dude. You know, we have people waiting outside the door for us. We can do really whatever we want. Um, and it, we attract a higher tenant who takes better care of our properties. And just one last note on this too, dude, you know, because we put these stainless steel appliances in here, we, we make these properties super nice. What we found over the years is that when people are starting out in that property, that is really nice. They have like a, a pride of living of it pride of living like at that property where like, you know, they're not putting holes in the walls. They're not smashing windows. They're not beating the shit out of the appliances or anything like that, dude. Because it's like, if you're living in a shithole college house, you'd be like, who gives a shit if, you know, we smash another window. Like the landlord back there hasn't fixed the window in a year. Like we already have a broken window. Who gives a shit if we have a second one? We're with us. We're giving them a turnkey product. And we're like, hey, we want it to look like this when y'all move out. Like that's the end state. And people take pride in that, dude. So that, that's kind of like the uh, the synopsis of it. Yeah, that's so interesting to me of the kind of the details of this type of business. That is a great model of <laughs> when their parents are most likely paying the rent. And I'll, I'll be, because I'm a super transparent person. Um, my dad helped me pay my rent in college and I paid my whole tuition. So that's just how that went. So I had help for sure. Um, and I paid my tuition as I, as I went and because I worked as I went, but there was no way, even if I worked full time and did school full time that I would be, have been able to pay both. And so that is a very common scenario. There was definitely like the summer is I paid in summer and stuff like that. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I had to help myself and, and, um, and, and so that makes sense that that's probably a scenario. And you probably thought, figured that I would go here, Jesse, but I'm going to go here now, which is, what so you know we we've gotten a kind of a, a wide ranging approach of of kind of the mindset and uh, you not knowing you were going to go into this industry and then going into it and 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 really just thriving in it and creating this business that's that's undeniable where you have people lined up um and I want to go into some of the bigger deals and the investing and things like that but first off man like how how is this practical for somebody who has the 9 to 5 um, maybe they don't. Let's just paint this picture of most people listening. Maybe they are just out of college or they're, you know, getting that really decent nine to five out of college, um, you know, getting some money in. Like, is this practical for everybody? Should everybody have an investment property? And and, and maybe that's hard to say and uh, kind of a blanket uh, approach to it. And maybe that's that's not the right way to go about it. But but maybe how can somebody start thinking about this and then what are the benefits of it as well why would they want to do something like rent out a duplex or or live in a house and also rent rent part of it as well can you kind of speak on that yeah i think there's a couple of like points to hit there and what you're what you're talking about and figuring out if like this is the right investment vehicle for you or not and there's 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 several points that draw me to real estate over other aspects and you know how applicable it is to like someone who's getting out of college and, and being in their their 20s whatever i think like real estate is like obviously it's a hard asset it's a hands-on investment you know much different than if i bought apple stock or if i bought bitcoin or something like that dude so i think like in your 20s when you're younger it's just a better vehicle because you know it is like an, an opportunity to like get boots on the ground dude and learn and get your hands on an asset and like 
learn what it's like to be a landlord, dude. Learn what it's like to be a tenant. I mean, learn what it's like to possibly if you're at a duplex living on one end and running out the other, dude. So I think it's like a, it's a great asset that was just a super great starting point for me and could be, you know, another great opportunity for a lot of people out there. You know, people who are beginning the nine to five, I think there's a couple of key points to, you know, figure out. It's like, it, it is a time commitment, dude. It's like, do I have the time to physically hands-on manage the property or, you know, am I not looking for that? Am I looking for all the benefits of real estate and you can passively invest in real estate, which is what I help people do now as we do kind of bigger and bigger deals here. But it, it, my biggest point to people out there would be like, figure out what you want and figure out if you have the time to do it. If you have the time to do it, dude, go for it. It's how I started. I started in duplexes and we started, you know, small like that. But if you don't have the time, dude, you can still own and invest in real estate. It's just from a passive side, which is almost similar to like investing in the stock market or investing in crypto, dude. But you know, when I look at like what makes real estate, why I'm bullish on real estate at least, and compared to other assets, if it's like the stock market or something like that, it's like, you know, when I own an apartment building or I own a duplex or, I, you know, I'm the direct manager of that property, like that I'm executing the business model on that property, the tenants know me, I control the cash flow, I control the debt. You know, when I put $100,000 into this property, I am in full control and I, I absolutely know what's going to happen because I've done the due diligence. I know that it's a good deal. I know what my returns are. I know I can, you know, crush this deal. When I put, if I were to buy a hundred thousand dollars in Tesla stock tomorrow, which again, I, I don't, we're not giving out financial advice, but I'm just hypothetical here. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think Elon Musk is like up in his skyscraper somewhere thinking about Jesse Fuchsia's hundred thousand dollars in, in Tesla stock. You know what I mean? Like, People underestimate that, that like when you when you're investing in the S&P 500 or stock market, like, yeah, it's like a low barrier of entry. If you can set up a Robinhood account, you can invest in the stock market. It's different in real estate. It's an illiquid asset, obviously, in real estate. But, dude, nobody nobody's thinking about John or Jane out there who's investing in the stock market. Nobody has any interest in you. You have zero control over your investment. Your investment could go to zero based on nothing that you've done. You know, if, if Russia invades the Ukraine, who knows? The stock market could could tank because of that, because of world news that has nothing to do with even to do with your stock, but it could go down, dude. So I, I would tell anybody that real estate is just a hard asset, dude, that, you know, lacks volatility. It's, it's a hard asset that supplies above average returns in a risk mitigated fashion. You know, so dude, that's when I when I explain that to anybody, people are always like, dude, I've never really thought of that. But that is a great point that like when you're in whatever stock, dude, nobody nobody gives a shit about you. But when I own and operate real estate, like I'm the one who owns and operates that dude. I'm taking care of my money. I'm making sure everything's going right, dude. And just to go back to what we talked about in the beginning as well, like it's a basic need of life, dude. A, a thousand years from now, I think people are still going to want to sleep inside. I, it could be wrong. Who knows like what the fuck we'll be doing then. But I think people will still want to sleep inside when that's going on. Um, so if that's going to be the situation, people are still probably going to need four walls and a roof. And because of that, the real estate I own today is probably going to appreciate even more then. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, you're going to have to get into campers next, man. I mean, that they were just popping off during code man it's so funny you know and and people who have Dude, yeah. houses and rent apartments who buy little mini apartments to tow behind their truck to go somewhere else you know it's like 
living is so commoditized it's 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 beautiful actually and 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 airbnb i mean we could probably do an hour on that you know um so so i won't go there too crazily or too hard but um but yeah just the way that you explained it was the first time i really got it jesse is when you said that um you know it's it's a basic human need and now the story that you spoke about about the um, carbon monoxide now it's a basic human need, but it also it's, 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 that's that risk. Like you, like you said, you have humans living in something that you own and it's on you to make sure that it's safe. And I relate that back to when I was a mechanic, when I was doing people's brakes, it might seem simple, you know, I'm doing a brake job and all right, like I've done a hundred and you know, I've done hundreds of them. Right. But I always had that in the back of my mind of like, this car needs to stop. Like people will die if this car doesn't stop. And it's kind of that same notion, you know, people, people will die if this carbon monoxide, if this heater isn't, if isn't functioning. And so I think, sure, it's, it's, um, we have to get real about the benefits, but we also have to understand the, uh, weight and the gravity of, of the, uh, of taking on something like this. You know, it's not the same as going to your nine to five. This is way different. This is more of a business. This is more of everything's on you. And so, yeah. And I think that you do a great job of painting that picture, uh, Jesse, and especially with your podcast and your content and for sure, you don't sway from the telling those stories or, you know, talking about the, the times when like not, not every deal is going to be a hit, man, you know, and, and, and there's going to be a lot of there's going to be ins and outs, man. There's going to be pros and cons to everything. Uh, but but I, I appreciate that. Thank you for um, kind of painting that picture for people, because I think it seems elusive, man. Like I, I we see people with X amount of real estate or properties or strip malls or um, you you name it. I mean, I know a guy in my town and he was just known for the gas station and the strip mall. And he just like seemed like this rich guy who drove a Mercedes. And it just it seems elusive. It doesn't seem like the average person can do this. You have to be like some millionaire or be rich, you know, and I just just don't think that i don't think that's true i think i I mean i know it's not true but 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 the once you said like you said jesse the knowledge gap dude it exists in so many different variables podcasting a hundred percent people have no idea what 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 it takes or how to make money or etc right but if we can bridge that gap then then we're really if we can help to bridge that gap we're doing a good thing here man so i appreciate it um you know what i also kind of building upon that so you know, you've done these deals, man, you built up your portfolio. What is it looking like today? Before we go into the future, what does it look like now? What do your deals look like? And is it, I, I know you're, you're kind of, is, I don't know how to explain this correctly. You're like, you know, um, co- collectively kind of crowdfunding the investing. It's not the right way to put it, but can you talk about that? Like, what was that next level for you? And the, the fact that, listen, I, I assume you don't have millions and millions of dollars yet to dump into these properties by yourself, nor I'm not sure if you would even want to do that. So how, what does it look like to, to take investment from other places? Was that scary for you in, 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 in the beginning and like asking people for their money and being like, yeah, you're going to make a return on this. You know, um, that seems like a whole nother level than owning the property yourself to me. Yeah. Yeah, dude, there's, there's a lot that goes into this next piece. And now we've scaled to bigger and bigger properties here. Um, probably end of 2020, I was like finishing up my time on the line as an army ranger. And I was like, man, I want to start settling down. I'm getting ready to get married. You know, my wife and I are going to start a family here. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, I can't be gone living this lifestyle for that longer. So I was like, how can I, you know, do this real estate thing, but do it on a bigger stage? How can I do bigger deals? It's a hundred unit deals or, or whatever, dude. And I came across the process of what's called syndication. And 
basically at its most basic terms, dude, I, I want to use the term crowdfunding is like its own thing. Like what I think of, I think of crowdfunding, like, hey, put a thousand dollars into this online or something like that. You know, we're talking to more sophisticated or accredited investors of like pulling money together to buy the down payment or, or put the down payment on this property. And what I was going back to about the piece about the time, like there are several, there are thousands of people out there who would love to own real estate, but they just don't have the time to do it. Whether it's, you know, whatever, they, they're a doctor, they're a dentist, they're a nine to five W2. They just don't have the time, dude. And there are so many people out there that'd be like, Jesse, I, you know, I'd love to invest, but listen, I, I, just, I don't know anything about the operations piece. So basically by just networking with these people, dude, posting on LinkedIn, I just connect with investors now, dude. And I have, again, it just goes back to talking to several people part night, dude. I was talking to a gentleman right before this. I have a phone call right after this of just investors who follow my content on LinkedIn. They DM me and then we start basically just a, you know, a relationship of like, hey, these are some of the deals that we look at. These are the projected types of returns. You know, I can bring these to you if you're interested um, and you can invest in them. And there's a lot of people who are interested in that type of investment vehicle. I think for a lot of the reasons that we've already talked about, Sully, but I think the number one, when I look at it, it's like, you know, and I don't mean to weird out or anything or like turn this into a numbers conversation, dude, but inflation, it's talked about like every day right now. And I think they just published this past week, it hit like 7% or 7.5, I think the Fed said. And there are so many people out there who have, money in their bank account, dude. And they're just like, every day that it's sitting in there, your money's being devalued. I mean, inflation is increasing 7%. Your money is getting devalued by 7% each year if it's just sitting there. We're like, we have these real estate opportunities that might offer, you know, 10% or 12%, 15%, you know, annual average return, dude. And we can more than double what people are, are getting um, in something like their bank account or the S&P 500 or, or something like that. So, it's, it's a really, really accessible thing, dude, but it was all born from this LinkedIn piece. Um, posting content every day, dude. Um, I get two or three people that DM me, you know, back in like December of last year, I'd get like two or three people a week. Now I'm getting like five to seven, dude. Now like there are weeks where like I get more than a dozen people who DM me and are like, hey man, this is really cool. Like I'd love to invest in real estate. Like, is this actually a thing? Like I can own real estate and not have to put any like effort into it. I literally just invest with you and then get cash flow every single month. And like the answer is absolutely yes. That's like literally how stupid easy it is. Um, you are providing us capital, which is helping us buy this, whatever, this $5 million asset that, you know, me and the three or four other guys that I partner with, we couldn't take it down as a group, just three or four of us. But if we bring in, you know, several sophisticated or accredited investors that, you know, I build a relationship with and meet, dude, um, then we can pool capital together and, and buy these assets. But yeah, I mean, we're submitting multiple seven-figure offers on a, a weekly and monthly basis, dude, and it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. We're hoping to have our first one across the finish line. I, I just started doing the commercial side like less than 12 months ago, dude. Um, I mean, we're hoping to have our first one across the finish line here within the next 30 days, which will be exciting, dude. I tell this to everyone, even looking back at the student housing, you know, zero to one for me, dude, was the hardest part. Zero to one, you know, in the deal realm is the hardest part, dude. One to seven was like the easiest part, dude. It was, it was so easy. We were getting deals left and right. It's just almost like conquering that first limiting belief of like, hey, I'm, I'm 26 years old and I can buy, you know, a $2 million asset. Um, 
but yeah, dude, that's how, that's what we're doing now. It's exciting. We're off to the races, dude. But the best part is just connecting with people every day and showing them that you can passively invest in real estate. And it is a phenomenal wealth building asset. dude. So it's been a lot of fun. Jesse, uh, I, I think we could probably go a couple hours. Um, and, and there's even more avenues that I, I, I'd like to dive yeah, down, dude, yeah. but I'm going to bookmark a few different topics. Um, so we can return to it next time, man. Cause we're kind of coming out, coming to time, but there's, there's a question I want to ask you that it seems to be a very important question to you. And I'm not sure why that is not, not, I don't think that it, does it's not like it doesn't make sense to me, but you see this question must be important because you ask it to all of your guests. And I think you've answered it before on your own podcast, but I'd love to ask it to you, which is Jesse, what is your ideal life? Yeah, dude, I, I love ripping this question. And like anyone who, who listens to my podcast, I always end on this question, dude. And it's like, it just gets back. The, the reason, the why behind the question, dude, is like, it's such a, like a ambiguous question. Like people will pause for a second waiting for like something else or don't be like, I am living the, or there is no, I get such a wide range. Dude. I love all of it too. Cause I'm always going for different perspectives. I get the, I'm already living the perfect life. I get the more, maybe more of like the stoic philosophy of there is no such thing as perfection, which I appreciate too, dude. I love hearing that. Um, but the, I, the why behind that question, dude, on my podcast was like, I want to hear what people really want to accomplish. Dude. I get fascinated by that. Like what, what is, if you could, if you could flip a switch tomorrow and walk into a different life, dude, what would it look like? Like, I love asking that dude. So I appreciate that, man, dude, the perfect life for me, it's, it's family based, dude. It is literally, I, I write about it all the time, dude. I'm, the perfect life is, is waking up in the morning. It's somewhat I already do right now. It's waking up and it's working out first thing in the morning because I love getting the blood flowing and, and hydrating, dude. And then from there, dude, when I'm, you know, finally a dad, you know, getting my kids on the bus, dude, spending the morning with them, making them breakfast, dude, being the dad that's crushing it on the home front. From there, dude, I'm probably going to do real estate from like 9 a.m. to like 11 a.m., dude. And then I'll just be done at 11 a.m. because I already have ample passive income where I can literally just be done working at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday if I feel like it, dude. And then just the rest of the day, dude, spending it with my family. If, you know, my wife is home or, or whatever, man, giving back time to her for all the years that I've done, uh, you know, doing this. And, and not just the real estate dude, but the military dude, too. You know, I've been deployed and spent months away from home. But you know, living life on my terms, dude, where I'm not dependent on someone else um, to build my life, dude, that that's the perfect life to me. And, and family is going to be at the core of it. You know, I, I say this all the time in my content, but it's going to come down to, to, you know, doing the things that I love with the people I love, dude. And, and whatever that looks like, man, that'll be the perfect life. Jesse, you're an inspiration, man. Um, I just want to thank you for doing this. And I want to thank you to um, thank you as well for being a part of 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 our team and our journey uh, with podcast principles. I don't advertise my business on this podcast. So for people listening, you might not know, uh, but I have a company called podcast principles and we help people launch podcasts. We help Jesse launch his um, turns out that he ended up just 10xing <laughs> anything that we expected in terms of 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 getting the ball rolling with this podcast and growing it and launching it um so but jesse uh, before we wrap here man just let people know where they can find you um where your most active platforms things like that i know you're on instagram linkedin but but where should people be connecting with you and reaching out to you to to book that connection call and talk to jesse fuchsia 
Yeah, dude, if you want to be one of those five calls, dude, trust me, I get on the phone with anyone. If it's real estate, if it's military, like, dude, just hit me up and I'll get on a call with you. I don't give a shit. Um, I'm super active on LinkedIn. I'm active on Instagram. You can hit me up. My name will be in the show notes, dude. Just DM me. Um, tell me you're whatever buddies of Sully or you're a follower of Bobcast, dude. I'll get on a call with you, dude. I give anybody time. So many people, dude, have given me time over the last year. People I don't even deserve time with, dude. I'm talking like, you know, eight, nine figure, you know, earners who have taken 30 minutes out of their day, dude, wherever I go in this life, dude, you know, if it is to that level, if it isn't, dude, I'm always going to give people time. So hit me up, DM me, dude, let's get on a call and let's just network and connect. And I'd love to do it, man. But seriously, Sully, it was a privilege being here with you, brother. I mean, what I say when, uh, going with you and Jack with podcast principles was like the best decision I made, like wealth science, would not be what it is today without you guys. And you're a part of that uh, vision. You're a part of that dream, dude. So I can't thank you enough. Seriously. Jesse, thank you. And well, science, ladies and gentlemen, in the show notes, as well as all the links to connect with Jesse and book a call, be one of those five people for the day. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for diving in, tuning in to this episode of Bobcast Today with Jesse Fuchsia. And as you know, before we go, we are on all platforms, even the ones nobody uses. Don't go anywhere. We got something for you in the show notes. Jesse Fuchsia, thank you so much for doing this, brother. Thanks, Sully. Hey, guys, it's Sully. I've been running this podcast for three and a half years now. I've interviewed over 80 people on the show in person and virtually. Um, It does take a team to run this. We have four people working on this on a weekly basis. The only thing I ask of you is if you could please follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. So whatever that is, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, whatever that is, please do subscribe and follow on those platforms. What that does is it will automatically download the episode for you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify and the other platforms as well, it will notify you when the episodes come out. So we release every single Monday. So just so you know, 6 a.m. on Monday, every Monday, every week, no stopping, guaranteed. So if you could just follow us or subscribe on those platforms, that would mean the world to us so we can keep this podcast going, grow the audience so we can have better guests, better content for you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening and hearing me out here at the end of this episode. I will see you on the next one. All right, peace. Peace.